All right, Mark 8, verses 11 through 21. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they, <clears throat> they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Or ha and having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dodds. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning we are continuing our study in the gospel of Mark. In the first verse of his gospel, Mark identifies Jesus by the royal title, Son of God. And as Son of God, Jesus moves immediately from place to place, conquering his enemies with ease. And wherever Jesus goes, the people follow. In the first chapter of Mark's gospel, an entire city gathers at Jesus' door, bringing him the sick and the demon-possessed, and he heals them all. He cleanses the leper. He heals the paralytic that's lowered down from the roof, forgiving his sin, something that only God can do. And the crowds keep coming to him. He enters the synagogue twice, first to cast out a demon from one man and then to restore the hand of another. He crosses seas, calms storms, battles and defeats demons. He brings relief to a woman suffering in sickness for 12 years and he raises a 12-year-old girl from the dead. To Jesus' death is hardly a worthy opponent. And as we've just read, Jesus feeds two multitudes, men, women, and children with no real means in desolate places. These are all signs of the kingdom that Jesus is inaugurating. It's a kingdom without sickness. It's a kingdom where demons find no quarter a kingdom where sins are forgiven, the outcast is welcomed, the sick are restored, and Jew and Gentile are brought together and are fed. But even in the advent of all these signs of the kingdom of heaven, in our passage today, Jesus faces two groups who, who don't understand him. One stands against him in confrontation, and the other stands in front of him in confusion. Of course, we're talking about the Pharisees, and the disciples. Let's read again from our text, starting in verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. 
And he sighed deeply in his spirit and says, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. So at this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus has performed more than a few miracles. We just remembered a number of them. But the Pharisees are not satisfied. They see their own nation being healed, but it's not enough. They grumble, they doubt, they argue, and they demand a sign from heaven. And Mark says it's in order to test Jesus. The word test is the same word for tempt here. In verse 10, leading up to this scene, we realize that Jesus has just crossed a body of water, and he is met here with a group of tempters. Now, that water crossing and that meeting of a tempter should make us remember something that happened earlier in Mark's gospel. In chapter one, Jesus crosses the Jordan and is driven out into the wilderness where, he, where the devil was waiting to tempt him, to test him. And what's notable is that the devil tempts Jesus to make bread. But Jesus doesn't succumb to the temptation. He tells the devil, man doesn't live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man's heavenly bread is the word of God and what he teaches. And of course, famously, he says, you shall not put Yahweh, your God, to the test. And what this really highlights is that the Pharisees are acting a lot like Satan, they're testing Jesus to perform a sign, just like Satan tempted Jesus to make bread. The crowds and disciples have been coming to Jesus because they've heard and they've seen the signs. They see something in Jesus worth trusting and following, but the Pharisees have had a totally different experience. They are skeptical. They come to Jesus like Satan comes to Jesus. Prove yourself. They're not coming to him in humility like everyone else that we've seen in Mark's gospel who has been healed or fed. See, Jesus meets the humble in their need, but he is not going to play the game that the Pharisees are playing. Because of the signs that Jesus has already shown, they should know that he is, in fact, the Lord. This really shows us, this little moment here shows us really the nature and heart of Jesus. He performs signs. He performs signs, but not for the proud. For those coming in skepticism, hoping to test him, he says, I'm, I'm not going to perform a sign for you. But if you come to me in humility, if you come to me in need, I will feed you. I will respond to you. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells the Pharisees that the only sign that they're going to get is the sign of Jonah. And we'll circle back to that later. But all of this is setting up this scene in the boat. Let's keep reading in verse 14. Now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, 
why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? So the disciples forget to bring bread from the feast that they've just come from, and they only have one loaf on the boat. They've been to a feast with five loaves, with seven loaves, and now they only have one. And it's here that Jesus warns the disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And the disciples misunderstand. They think that Jesus is referring to the fact that they had forgotten literal bread. But he's trying to get them to see something else. So let's take a moment and just talk about leaven. I realize I'm talking to a room of the fair amount of bread makers in it, so please... Please pardon my novice description here. Um, leaven is fermenting bread. It's not yeast. It's what we would call a starter. And it comes from a previous loaf of bread. So if we're in the kitchen, if we're in the, the bakery, a baker pulls off a small portion of, leavened, of a leavened loaf and inserts it into a new batch of dough in order for the leaven to make its way through this entirely new loaf. Once leaven works its way through, the whole lump of dough becomes leavened bread. And with that process, there's no end to how many loaves of bread you can make as long as you retain the leaven. You could feed the entire world on one starter of leaven. Leaven also, though, reminds us of the Passover when Israel left Egypt in such haste that they ate bread before it was leavened. But that was important because it was a symbol that they were leaving Egypt without taking the, the leaven of Egypt with them. Their exodus from Egypt was the start of a new loaf, so to speak. So when Jesus mentions the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod, he's not talking about bread. He's talking about the teaching of the Pharisees and of Herod. We read this in Matthew 16, 12. This is Jesus speaking. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees. So think of it this way. If leaven is teaching, then students are dough. Right? Jesus is saying the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod, this, this teaching is not healthy. Their teaching does not produce nourishing bread. But it's not just their teaching that he's warning the disciples about. It's their view of the kingdom and how it will come. It's the tradition that they are handing down to others. See, the Pharisees especially were experts in oral tradition and they had been passing down the same leaven for centuries. They'd been handing off the same tradition for hundreds of years. For the Pharisees, the kingdom of heaven would come only if Israel would pursue holiness by means of separating themselves from the nations. That was the way the kingdom is going to come. If Israel stays separate and holy from the rest of the world, the kingdom will come. They believed that if the people of Israel lived holy, righteous lives apart from the unclean world, the kingdom would come. That's why they wanted the Romans out, because the Romans were defiling their land, defiling the people. 
Herod and the Herodians, they wanted to rule the nations through political power. In their mind, they believed the kingdom would come if all the other nations and enemies were subject to them. The Pharisees' kingdom vision was Israel oriented towards Israel, a pursuit of religious power and glory. Herod's kingdom vision was dominion amongst the nations, a pursuit of political power and glory. That's why he says that the only sign, that's why Jesus says the only sign that they will be given is the sign of Jonah. This is why, because it's the Gentiles It's actually the Gentiles, the enemies of Israel, who are going to be the ones to welcome Jesus. The Pharisees in Israel will reject him. And so Jesus says to his disciples, he says to this new lump of dough, don't take from that loaf. It's not the kingdom that I came to establish. Don't, Don't bake your bread with that leaven. And they don't get it. Their, their hearts are hardened like Pharaoh. They are deaf and they're blind and they're forgetful. So what were the disciples not seeing or understanding? Let's read from verse 19 through 21. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Jesus talks about leaven, the disciples don't understand. So he switches back to bread, but they still don't understand. But what is, I mean, in the middle of this, like what, what is Jesus doing? What is he up to with all of this numerology? He expects the disciples to learn a lesson, but really, what what is the lesson? This is what I think, and it's a slight leap, but I, I hope that you'll go with me on it a little bit here. While Jesus mentions the leaven, the loaves, and the leftovers, it's the leftovers that he emphasizes, 12 and 7. And I believe that they are connected to the Pharisees and to Herod. So let's think about this. When Jesus feeds the 5,000 with five loaves, it's a Jewish audience. And with 12 baskets left over, it seems to be connected to the 12 tribes of Israel. And this would have been the very heart of what the Pharisees were trying to preserve in pursuit of the kingdom. Keep Israel pure. Keep the 12 tribes of Israel pure. And when Jesus feeds the 4,000 with seven loaves, it's a Gentile audience. And with seven large baskets left over, it seems to be connected to the seven nations that occupied Canaan before Israel arrived to drive them out. Let's read from Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord your God brings you, this is the Lord speaking to Israel, when he brings when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, 
seven nations more numerous and mightier than you, you will defeat them. This would have been the very heart of what Herod was trying to preserve in pursuit of the kingdom. Keep Israel powerful. The Pharisees keep Israel pure. Herod, keep Israel powerful. The kingdom will come. The kingdom will come. And that leaven produces a particular kingdom. Sojourn, if if we, if we here, if we walled off as a community, as parishes, we didn't invite the sick or the poor or the orphan or the outcast or the neighbor or the coworker, if we just looked after ourselves and called the rest of the world darkness to be avoided, the kingdom we would create would be a kingdom that the Pharisees would die for. If we only sought power over others, if we tried to take position as a church or as a people by force, if we attempted to dominate other nations through political power and never lowered ourselves ever to serve them or to welcome them, the kingdom we would create would be a kingdom that Herod would die for. Jesus is telling his disciples, if you chase after these things, if you chase after what the Pharisees and what Herod are telling you is what will bring the kingdom, they won't accomplish what I have come to do. See, Jesus' kingdom is completely different. His kingdom vision is one of humility, one of weakness, a kingdom of one loaf, That's why he draws the disciples' attention back to the feasts. When I broke the five loaves, how much was taken up? Twelve. When I broke the loaves, how much was taken up? Seven. See, Jesus is saying, with my leaven, with my teaching, baked into my loaf is everything that the Pharisees and Herod would want. It's baked in with glory, with wholeness with purity, but it's the true way. Instead of separation and purity, instead of domination and power, it's the way of humility, generosity, sincerity, hospitality. It's actually what looks like humiliation and foolishness. That's what's going to lead to this overabundance to leftovers that just don't make sense. How do we have more than when we started? If we follow in accordance with the leaven of Jesus, we get the purity of Israel and, we get, and, we wel- and the welcoming of the nations in one loaf. Jews and Gentiles will be blessed and restored. We have this one loaf this one loaf, which is Christ, so we need not worry about the magnitude of the need. Jesus has shown that with him, there is always more than enough. In fact, when the disciples started with less, they ended with more. So if we're down to one loaf, perfect. If we're down to one loaf, 
perfect. That's right where we need to be. More than thousands will be fed with the loaf that Christ offers through his people. In fact, Jesus inserts leaven into us so that we become bread so that we can be broken and distributed to feed the world with love and good works and service and sacrifice and generosity and hospitality. Also in Jesus' kingdom, he gives bread to his church abundantly and lavishly, and he leaves plenty. He leaves enough for others to come and eat. Sojourn, as we, as we close, I just want to think about just a few things. There, there are other leavens in the world that we must be aware of, that we must be aware of. The leaven of Christian nationalism. The leaven of sexual freedom. The leaven of sexual identity. The leaven of sexual identity that though made in the image of God as a man or a woman, I'm going to remake myself in my image. Don't bake your loaf with that leaven. It creates a kingdom, it creates a kingdom that Jesus isn't building. In this new season of our church, it also makes me wonder how how does this passage speak to us? When it seems as though the means are small, Jesus is still talking to us about this kingdom vision. He's still reminding us of what he can do with one loaf. And by worldly standards, it's foolish to think that God is using our 11 parishes to establish his kingdom. It's foolish, right, to think that that's what God is doing. And yet that's exactly what he's doing. It's exactly what he's doing. I mean, even, we want to just consider for a moment even what we're doing here today, even what we're doing right now in this gathering. It's foolish to think that this is changing the world. But think about it this way. God calls us in here. There is a call to worship God actually, like when Matt stood up here and read God's word, that wasn't just a cute optic Christian thing to do. It was God saying, come, come to me, worship. We lift our voices in praise and acclamation. We, we come into this room. We don't come empty-handed. We come with our, our arms full of the work of our weeks. We also come with our sin. And we offer our work to the Lord and he receives it. We, off, we, we confess our sin and he forgives us. Do you, know what, do you know what a wonderful thing it is? And do you know what such a thing would do for those who think that their work doesn't matter and that they can't be forgiven? That changes the world. <laughs> in a world that doesn't know what to do with their sin, that doesn't know how to be right with the Lord, that changes everything. And it's changing 
right now in this gathering. We share a peace together. How incredible is that? That God has not only made peace with us, but he has actually made peace between us. In a world wracked by war and separation and COVID and all of these things, we share in this moment a peace and we are welcoming. We desire to welcome people into that peace. Gosh, we have the, the God's words spoken and declared over us. And we share a meal together. Sojourn, that changes the world. We share a meal together with God at his table that we're about to do in just a few moments. That's actually changing the world. But if you doubt it, beware the leaven. Beware the leaven in you that is making you think that God needs something more than one measly loaf to feed thousands. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, Lord, you are the creator of all things. Lord, and we long, Lord, to be continually, to be filled with your leaven. God, according to Paul, the, the leaven of sincerity and truth. Lord, there, are, there is, Lord, so much that you have given us in order for us to be a people of light in the world. You have given us the, the leaven of your Holy Spirit. You give us the leaven, Jesus, of your teaching. When we pray to be filled with your word in such a way, Lord, that more and more you would draw people to your light and that more and more, Lord, of the, of the outcast, the oppressed, the marginalized, or those who don't know you, Lord, would be brought into this family or that they might know you. Jesus, fill us with your spirit today. Lord, may we be people who trust that, Lord, amongst meager means, that you are establishing your kingdom. You're establishing your kingdom today, in this moment, in this gathering. Lord, strengthen us, help us, we pray. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.